Hello and welcome to uh, episode number 61 of the At YouTube Podcast, talking all things YouTube, album news, tour dates, community discussions, South American tour dates, community issues with stuff, all, all sorts of things we'll be talking about this episode. Uh, I've got uh, three illustrious co-hosts, illustrious, infamous, I don't know, you are what you are, uh, joining me for this episode from around the world. Uh, first, my to my left, geographically, the far east, I guess. <laughs> Sienna, welcome back to the show. Hey. First time on the video version, right? Yeah, it's exciting. All right, so hopefully all the, all the video gremlins hold up all the way across the pond. And uh, below me, but also far east, is, I think, Aaron? <laughs> or he's gone dark again. Aaron might be joining us. We'll see. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll come back to Aaron. He's our special correspondent from the darkness that is the bottom right quadrant. And the bottom left is uh, Sherry, also to my far east, <laughs> but bottom left of the podcast. Hello, Sherry. Hey, have you found what you're looking for, Chris? <laughs> I got, I've got p- friends who aren't U2 fans who tweet at me now, assuming everything I tweet is a U2 lyric, if it's any sort of vague <laughs> <laughs> reference to anything. So <laughs> <laughs> I've fallen into the Sherry rabbit hole, I think is the problem. Too much, too much Sherry. Oh, Aaron's back. Okay. <laughs> Aaron's forehead is back. Anyways, yeah. so we might have a fun show. We've got a special guest coming on about halfway through, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but first off, the big news, of course, that uh, if you're tuning in live or listening li- uh, today, June 6th, is as we record this, uh, new Joshua Tree tour dates announced. Apparently, uh, some people are excited about this. <laughs> As they should be. We we can sense Fabiano's excitement all the way up north. I think that the whole of South America has been rejoicing ever since 9 a.m. Eastern. <laughs> so they've, uh, I'm sure by now, if, if the podcast is the last place you're here, or the first place you're hearing this, I guess, um, it's time to maybe check out Twitter or at YouTube.com or YouTube.com because they let everybody know this morning, uh, Mexico, South America, and then also um, Chile, Brazil. I guess South America. Colombia. It's their first trip to Colombia in yeah. their career. And then also added in Mexico City. Uh, there there must be additional stops options there. Obviously, as tickets sell out and things like that, I'm sure they'll add. But um, And then, of course, a bunch of more U.S. dates, too, in new cities that they didn't hit the first go-around um, starting in September. So, um, yeah, any any sort of initial comments and feedback? Of, of course, none of us are in South America or in that geography that was pining for you two to come. So. Um, but it's still exciting. I think we have on staff, we have, I know Fabia or uh, Fernanda was tweeting saying, <laughs> if you could <laughs> stop, just ask, stop, uh, ask fans to stop blaming South America because they think songs of innocent ex- experience will be delayed because of us. So um, it's not their fault. Don't, uh, don't blame South America that they want to see you too, just like we all got to, but any comments on the, the tour announcement and, and uh, sort of expectations and what it means? I see it as the nine North American dates are going to finance the South American dates. Um, So they kind of needed to get the equipment back over from Europe and start working its way back back to the uh, West Coast and going south. So it doesn't surprise me that they tacked on nine more U.S. dates, but I can feel the anguish from our... Aussie and our um, New Zealand friends and everybody out in Australasia. So I really, really, really hope when the, uh, uh, what was it? Edge called it the uh, Experience and Innocence Tour, which is the flip of Innocence and Experience, that when that one launches, that it launches down there and they get something super special that none of us will be able to get. Yeah. 
That's uh, at yeah. uh, Zahara Desert tweeted at us asking, what have the Australian New Zealand fans done to de- deserve this? It's been seven years. <laughs> so they're next on the list. Now that South America's gotten their petitions off and everything, <laughs> New Zealand and Australia have to start, I guess. But, but do, you, do you not think they will probably now continue into Australia, New Zealand, Japan? I mean, they're a huge market. So, and, yeah. you know, the Joshua Tree has turned out to be so successful. It's almost inevitable that they're going to they're gonna go down and down. And take it through to Christmas. It will be interesting to see how some uh, songs of experience now will be released. Whether they may just delay that a few months. The sales of the album doesn't matter anymore. That's the one big thing. Right. The amount of actual sales they don't care as much about as in terms of dollar values and whatever. It's the touring and yeah. Yeah. I just think that the production costs for a stadium tour are going to be far more than what the production costs would be for the arena tour. So um, you figure if they hit Australia in around Christmas, it's their summertime down there. So the weather's going to be beautiful. But usually the U-Tours like to spend Christmas back in Dublin, um, back in their respective homes. So I would think if anything, they would launch in January. And Hmm. if the rumors that were circulating on our um, uh, U-Two songs – of of this album cover with a December first uh, a date on it, then they could launch you know January February with with experience and innocence. Um, I just think that the way that they've mined the U.S. market uh, in 2017, um, they've they've taken a lot of our money this year. <laughs> so I think for them yeah. to come back in 2018. Uh, they're not going to get the type of audience that that would come out. So I don't see them coming back to the U.S. much before 2019, but I could be completely wrong on that, and I hope I am. Because <laughs> you have more money to give, Sherry, right? Is what you're saying. <laughs> You'll find a way. I have a lot of charitable giving to the Bank of Larry, so there you go. <laughs> I think also it'll be interesting to see what may happen now just after Brussels, um, because usually – the band normally goes to uh, south of France, generally. Ed, Bono Edge, certainly, one of their families. Maybe that they may take an opportunity just to finish off songs of experience. All the relevant marketing that needs to be done, whether it means more photographs, promo photographs to be done, shooting videos. There seems to be some rumours that that may be happening in this late summer uh, and fall. Um, but, yeah, the, the schedule release looks a little strange because we're we're normally used to having long, long gaps between U2 projects, and then all of a sudden we've got two or three on the go all, all of a sudden. So we're spoiled by yeah. comparison. And it's great as well. Man. The rest of the world is getting to see the Joshua Tree tour. I mean, it's just wonderful. Or they're trying to fulfill all of their contractual obligations before the end of the contract. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm cynical or anything. <laughs> For love or money. Or love of money. Um, the other, so well, there's lots more to be said about that. And obviously, as dates and things come out, and we'll obviously cover that on the podcast. And make sure, be sure to be watching at youtube.com, of course, for news um, as it happens, because the podcast isn't isn't exactly breaking news. But uh, in terms of other random stuff around the YouTube YouTube verse, YouTube universe, uh, Adam's kimono, which we referenced last episode, I just wanted to follow up. It's taken on a Twitter account of its own. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot to actually mention, write it down. It's just Adam's Kimono, I'm assuming, or yes, A D A M S K I M O N O. Yeah. So, joining the pantheon of other uh, 
Twitter handles related to various parts and or clothing of YouTube, <laughs> members of YouTube. <laughs> Kimono enthusiast. I hang out with Adam Clayton from time to time. So um, very much worth following, if for no reason, than just to get an occasional glimpse of... If we'd have seen it in merchandise, we'd have bought one, wouldn't we? Right. <laughs> That would have made that first Periscope concert or call that night after the show much more interesting, I think, if we were all wearing kimonos. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I would have been a bit strange, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, um, And Sienna, you, this is uh, this is now the second time you've been on the podcast, but um, something that I know uh, Matt asked me to reference with you and just to draw fans or readers' attention to is your article on... YouTube teen or on the, at youtube.com, but YouTube teens being a fan under 20, um, which you posted back in, uh, late May, I guess, a couple weeks ago. But, uh, yeah. it's, it's kind of funny cause they're just an article went around. I think Sherry, you had shared it originally about how millennials hate you too, or something like that. And yeah, uh, from a, from a Miami based, uh, uh, site. Yeah. And obviously it's all just like generalizations and all that kind of stuff. But we had Mason Merritt on last episode and, uh, and you this time and sort of getting a bit of the, unintentionally coincidentally or whatever with that article kind of getting the counterpoint i guess to that where um the big broad term of millennials <laughs> that you guys fall under yeah. anyways obviously you're more you are a fan of of you too and um i guess just in terms of your article that you wrote and sort of maybe in response to something like that those kind of headlines or whatever how are what is your response to to that kind of stuff um yeah i mean because at you too tweeted out some questions about being YouTube, being a YouTube fan under 20 and it like every, so many people responded and I was reading them all and they were just like you don't like in England I'm like the only one like <laughs> I I have no friends who like you too and like to read all these people from around the world is just oh, it's so cool and we all like like the same sort of era as well so it's awesome yeah <laughs> Yeah, so you're definitely not. Uh, you you had your first was your first concert experience was Innocence and Experience this last yeah go round yeah. Tell me about that. What was the? Uh, so my first concert was in the LA Forum, and it was only like a few days in, I think, to the tour. Um, so everything was a bit new, and I remember it just after the interval, and it was invisible, obviously, and my dad didn't know what invisible was. And he was like, Sienna, what's this song? And I was like, it's invisible. How do you not know this? Because it's like the two generations of fans. Right. Obviously, he knew all like Warren stuff. And I knew their new singles. So that was really cool. <laughs> so you got to educate him on the new stuff and he exactly. got to edu educate you on the old stuff. Was that your dad? Was the, <laughs> Did your dad draw you into you two in the first place? Yeah. Yeah, it was him. Gotcha. Well, maybe I'll have to have a father-daughter podcast sometime with episode with you. you <laughs> Uh, and, uh, Sherry, you back going, looping back around to the Vancouver show, you had, uh, I don't think we ever officially covered it. We were going to sort of, we talked about it or tweeted about it maybe a little bit, but, and you definitely tweeted about it, obviously, but getting, a your picture signed, uh, and, and some stuff at the Vancouver show, that was kind of a cool experience for you. Yeah, I, I had gotten tipped off that, uh, on Bono's birthday, he wanted to spend a little bit of time with the. Uh, fans that uh, that hold him so dear. So we all queued up, and I was lucky enough to get. Ironically, it's my copy of Tim Newfeld's book <laughs> signed. Um, originally, I was just going to get it signed and send it to Tim and complain that the publisher had sent me uh, uh, a, a marked copy, and I wanted a new copy and surprise him with the autograph. 
But then as Bono came around and he was signing, I said, hi, um, um, I'm Sherry from Duxbury. Thank you so much for answering my question on the Daltons. And he said, that was you? Grabbed the book back and did a, uh, um, a portrait of me as a cowgirl and asked me how I spelt Sherry and gave me a, a personal note in, in the book. So sorry, Tim, I, I couldn't send it back after that. But I can <laughs> confirm that rock stars kind of smell like exhaust fumes <laughs> because that's all you could smell back there. Um, but then uh, in talking with um, some members of, of the, uh, of the crew, um, the correct term on what do rock stars smell like is complex. Complex. <laughs> so, um, and they wouldn't go into any more detail than that. So I think that is our official statement that, that when we hear Adam ask or, or Bono ask, how do rock stars smell like? The answer is complex. Right. So <laughs> I think we should probably stop asking because anything more will get us restraining orders probably. <laughs> <laughs> or at least for Sherry. <laughs> but yeah, it's really cool. And I think if you uh, probably somewhere back in your Twitter account, I know there's uh we'll try and find a link to it and throw it in the show notes too. to pictures that you had obviously of the moment and, and uh, shortly. Oh after yeah. And all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I'll share yeah, those. Cool. And, and ironically the week later I, I was, I was back home um, shopping in our, um, in our local target of all places. And, um, and somebody asked me, Hey, um, uh, um, how's the edge doing? And so I, Oh, I just saw him last week. He's doing great. And I'm like, why is he asking me about the edge? Well, I had out my Samsung galaxy eight edge phone. He was talking about my phone and not the edge, but I just casually, Oh yeah, he's doing great. As if I'm like BFFs with the, with yeah. the band number, you know? <laughs> and, uh, in a little bit of follow up from the last episode as well, speaking of Mason, uh, we uh cj had messaged in asking about mason's plan for ga from the last episode and i'm wondering how it will work if he just shows up so he was just briefly he was he was going to show up his parents were going to come later he was going to save a spot for his two parents i guess is what he was asking so or what they he was saying he was going to do and i don't mason's not on the episode to actually tell us what ended up happening but uh there cj was wondering how will it work if uh, he shows up at ga mason and gets a rail spot and his parents are back at the hotel does he just save two extra numbers for them in the air quotes unofficial ga count and sherry i think you had responded somewhere because um, it just depends who's there doing sort of ga line management because there is an official police or, or stadium crew doing that right yeah on um on average what ends up happening is is when you show up uh, a day or two before the show to uh, uh, to join the GA line. It's a fan um, it's a fan led line. So the general rule is is once you get your number, there's normally a check in in the morning and a check in in the evening. It's normally like seven a.m. and seven p.m. type of deal in the days leading up, so that you're not actually queuing for for days in the spot. But then on the day of the show, the the morning check in is normally at like five a.m. or six a.m. And at that check in, everybody in your party needs to be with you, and 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 it's the and it's the uh, uh, it's the investment of time in order to get the rail spot that you're looking for. I know that there were a lot of people who were disappointed that hey, you know, my kid's in school or my wife doesn't get out of work, and unfortunately, you know, this this is a process that has worked for at least the past 15 years. <laughs> And so it's it's been um, the rite of passage. The 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 fans who are working with 
the formation of the GA line, usually coordinate with the venue security staff. And then on the day of the show, usually there's somebody from um, U2's own production team who will come out and coordinate so that everybody's kept safe, everybody's where they're supposed to be. Um, you can generally leave for like 15 to 20 minutes for like a, a, a bladder break or to get a little bit of food. But they really uh, shun anybody who shows up at like 3 uh, um, after everybody's been out there for, you know, six, seven hours, uh, waiting in the line. Um, so in this particular case, you can make friends with the people around you, see if there's some flexibility. Usually there can be, but if, if you've got somebody in that line from five in the morning and somebody shows up at like four 30 in the afternoon and gets it in front of you, there's usually a lot of grumbles about that. Yeah. And probably depending on the country and or city that you're in, uh, will be determining how grumpy the people get and what activities happen thereafter. Uh, Fabiano in the chat room, it's funny because there's a couple of uh, South American folks in the chat room kind of, uh, commis- not commiserating, celebrating, I guess, today being a beautiful day because of the announcement. Uh, but Fabiano saying, uh, Nate, Arnie, and other fans that coordinate, huge thanks for them. So, um, yeah, if you're at all interested in getting right up to that line or right up to the front of the stage and that kind of stuff, which we talked about in the last episode and, and at others too, you're just going to have to put in the time, I guess is the, the gist of it. I know. Um, yeah. Seeing today's June. Um, today is June 6th. The Pittsburgh show is tomorrow on the 7th. The GA lines formed at seven in the morning yesterday, June 5th. Yeah. Yeah. Which we saw. So, uh, <laughs> I think it's important to know that uh, it, it's not the real landlord at the front it really isn't because you know even if you just turn up for the concert on the day and you've got a ga ticket you'll get a great great view even if you're just down by the mixing desk or whatever and that you know the whole of the screen is so fantastic for this show that you you will be absolutely transfixed by what you see on the screen and on the b stage and on the main stage so i think what sherry's referred to you know it's a very fair process it does seem a little harsh but i think you know there's so many dedicated YouTube fans who do put a lot of time and investment in. I think overall it's fair. But to say it's not a it's not a it's not a huge problem if you if you aren't prepared to queue and be in line, you'll still get a fantastic view. Yeah, and the people who are there, I know, are very friendly and stuff, and and you just have to ask and and sort of follow the line to the front and then follow it all the way to the back, and and you'll figure out <laughs> where you stand and or where you're sitting or standing, I guess, depending on how long. Which, as long as we're talking about GA lines. If you filed a complaint with BC Place in Vancouver, you have until June 15th to respond to an email that BC Place sent out to folks who did file a complaint. What they're looking for is your Ticketmaster order number. Um, They are still processing all the uh, GA complaints from what had happened. And um, while it it wasn't a complete promise, uh, in my phone call with... With their staff there, I was told that that anybody with GA would be offered a refund. I don't know if it's a full refund, a partial refund, but they are uh, going through that process. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. But but the deadline for that is June fifteenth. So if you if you didn't get an email, check your um, uh, trash bin yeah. or your spam filter. Uh, but the emails were sent out about a week, a week and a half ago. All right, we're going to try and blast through. We've got a, a few ask at you two questions that were sent in. Uh, so you can tweet out the, with use the hashtag ask at you two. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely be covering a bit of the, uh, um, 
talking about the tour itself and and Sherry and Aaron's perspective on it, and then also using Sienna as sort of a person to speak for those who have yet to see see the show. And uh, but we're going to try and get through a couple of questions from the Ask at You Two uh, hashtag that were sent in. And the first one is a nonsense one because it's from a buddy of mine. But just say if someone formed a band named U Three, would they sound like U Two but with more cowbell and the answer is yes. Um, <laughs> at this train 9,900, sorry, he said, is this the day, is the day after seeing you 2 too soon to have withdrawals? And I think it happens, uh, if not the day after the that evening, probably even as you're trying to fall asleep and the songs are ringing in your head. And I know for me, not having, see, having to watch everybody head south from Vancouver to see them in Seattle while I flew home and then watched all the reports <laughs> with its own special kind of U2 uh, withdrawal hell. But... What do you guys think? I, I undoubtedly had withdrawal symptoms. I mean, I, I flew back right. um, on the Sunday straight after the show. and uh, Sorry, on the Saturday after, after, after the show. And uh, I, you know, 12 hours back on the plane to the UK. And uh, it, it, it hit me bad. It really did. It was like cold turkey, I'm sure. <laughs> and it is different. Like, obviously, you guys both are, you are seeing them again. So there's going to, you know, you're going to, you know what? <laughs> The stars will shine again, but Sherry, what about for you? Yeah, uh, flying home on the red eye um, and not being able to do Seattle was a bit of a bummer. But for me, I like to see the tour at the very beginning, but then I don't want to see it for like a solid month because I know that they're still working out all of their their little kinks and quibbles and and honing in on certain things. So when I see them in a couple of weeks in Foxborough, I'll probably have, you know, a similar experience, but the, but the, sh- the songs will be tighter. It'll be better. So I had a little bit of a withdrawal, but because I knew I was seeing them again, it wasn't that bad. And I also knew as soon as I got off the airplane, uh, within a few hours, I'd be piping into a Mixler stream and, and being able to listen to the show that I just saw. So as long as there is a show coming up, it's a little bit better. But, you know, the last show of a tour when, you know, it's going to be like a three-year drought, that's when I really crash. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, they were very tight anyhow. I mean, I know a lot of people said, oh, the Seattle show was so much better than Vancouver. And I'm sure it was. But um, I think the shock of seeing the screen made a lot of the uh, watching the watching the band in Vancouver quite difficult because it was so revolutionary, the screen. And I don't know, because so many, so many of the songs we'd heard before anyhow, there's only a few songs that we'd never heard live. Um, you know, whether you watch them live, live or watch them on video since, you know, whether you go back to 87 or not. So there's only a handful of songs that were new. What I was pleased about is that it was a proper playback of the album in, or, in order, but no revamp. There wasn't an acoustic version or somebody playing bongos through it rather than drums. It was a proper... <laughs> straight version of the album which is exactly what we wanted to hear it was great you're giving me flashbang at the sun off the pop mart tour yeah aaron's jumping ahead to our roundtable discussion with his but we'll uh and i apologize aaron's audio seems to be cutting in and out a little bit and now sherry's just disappearing down into the ether for some reason but, <laughs> but i'm still here <laughs> yeah we can still hear you so i'm i'm already small enough people at <laughs> uh, tim jahar asked and i know this is this is this was a question about uh chicago because i know there was some worries about thunderstorms and stuff but what happens if weather thunderstorms or whatever uh are forecasted and or and or happen at the show and um 
I know in in previous years, uh, when I was at the Edmonton Pop Mart show, I know there was rain and thunder happening basically as the, sh- the show ended. They do have stuff to obviously cover gear and stuff. If it's not a torrential downpour, I think the show goes on as far as what I've seen, uh, weather or safety permitting, I guess. But in the event that it would go really badly, you know, severe thunderstorm, tornado, whatever, um, I would assume they would cancel the show and, and issue a refund and or reschedule it, right? It would be the general idea. In Chicago, what they said was it was rain or shine. And if there were thunderstorms, that there were um, um, safety uh, zone areas within this stadium that everybody would retreat to. And I believe in the U.S., uh, that would be standard practice. Um, only if there was like a hurricane or or a tornado, um, but I think that they would do anything other than, but if it's torrential rain, the show is rain or shine. Yeah. That's, I think just like any sporting event or any sort of major event like that, it's, um, it's on until they say it's not. And then if it's not, they'll cancel and obviously or reschedule and, um, refund. But the, uh, the band obviously can only do so much as far as coming back. So it sucks. I know for those of us who are like, that's the one show you're going to see and you're worried about weather. I understand that. For sure. So, uh, at mysterious days asked, why isn't you two performing in Colorado or Arizona on this Joshua tree tour? And, uh, I would go live to our sports correspondent, Matt McGee, but, uh, he's not here and, uh, not Matt McGee is, <laughs> is here, <laughs> but, uh, basically one theory anyways be, would be football is going on scheduling issues, that kind of thing. It does seem like the obvious place to go to would be in Arizona, right? Where the tour, the Joshua tree or the, um, rattle and hum video was recorded and, and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, not this time. Sorry, I'm going quick just so we get, get through some of these because I know they've been in the queue for a little while at mysterious days also asked the fan clips sent in to sing along with ordinary love that people submitted. And we haven't seen anything of that. We thought maybe it would appear on the Joshua tree stage. Perhaps it might be something that's way delayed and waiting for the, uh, songs of experience record and promotion somehow, or maybe just some other random event that we don't even know about, obviously. Um, any quick theories on on where that is at? No, I completely forgot about that. Actually, uh, we all probably had a go at that one way or the other. Over the probably was it a few weeks just before the first show, wasn't it? It was quite short notice. Yeah, no, it just it was quite because I was like, I was going to do it, and then it was like, oh wait, it's only in a few days' time. So like, I thought it was short notice for the tour, and it was going to be used, but oh no, no, obviously it's not on it, is it? So yeah, so we'll see. You'd hope that they wouldn't put fans through that. I mean, not that it was that ex- exhausting, I'm sure, but you, you were, a bunch of fans are submitting stuff, and hopefully they don't just end up in the bin somewhere that they've forgotten about or whatever. Um, that should maybe be, Sherry, your next mission is to find out where the Ordinary Love clips ended up now that you know what Roxbury Well, I submitted like. one, so so I would like to know that the, where mine ended up anyway, probably in the trash <laughs> bin. Uh, at uh, this train 9900, we had a few sort of repeats this time, but uh, will there appearance at Bonnaroo Friday, which, where are we here? I don't know which Friday. Yeah. That's this Friday? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's this week. Yeah, be webcast in part or in whole. I haven't, I don't know if you guys have heard, I haven't heard anything official about any sort of webcast. Hopefully somebody's going to be periscoping it. Yeah, I'm sure the usual suspects of Periscope, et cetera, might uh, work out, but I don't know if they have an official. I know, um, what was the other festival that was just happened a little while ago where they, they definitely um, published YouTube videos of the show afterwards of specific songs, but... It wasn't a live stream. It does, is Bonnaroo um, not actually broadcast in the States on television? No. No. No, it's not like, yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, I, I don't see anything official from them as far as any sort of um, streaming, anything like that. So it we might. certainly haven't seen yeah. anything from U2.com saying subscriber special or anything like that. 
Yeah. So I would suspect that they might not, and they might put, I'm sure they'll be recording it. Obviously they record pretty much everything and maybe they'll put out a special video of a song or two if it's goes off really well in the, in that uh, venue, but we'll see. Um, all right. The, uh, Fabiano actually asked in the chat room, well, since, since he tuned in live, we'll throw this one in at you guys too. And I, cause I've been curious too, where can we expect, uh, assuming that there is going to be one, I guess, where can we expect that the Joshua tree DVD or Blu-ray or whatever format you're, you're happen to be watching it on gets uh, recorded, which city do you think will be get picked? And is there a method to it beyond just a good show or picking one song from, you know, the best version of each song from a city. It's probably going to be South America. I don't know. It seems to go around by continents, isn't it? We had Europe last time, North America before that. Um, it would be ideal on. if it was down there simply because of the mothers of the disappeared tie-in. Um, and they haven't done a release from that continent if I remember correctly, uh, Pop Mart was from Mexico City, yeah. and all That's the other releases have 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 been either um, uh, North America, Europe. You had the Love Town tour special that was in Sydney, but that wasn't an official DVD release. Um, so I would certainly hope it would be coming from South America. And they definitely like the what was the the U two three D was recorded. Yeah, that's Fabiano was just. <laughs> in the chat room one step ahead of me was here it was recorded there but it wasn't officially sort of released as a big concert documentary or video so um but definitely and it wasn't the complete show either right um so the fans down there definitely are way more enthusiastic in their showing or their appearance of (laughs) enthusiasm um just judging off that that uh, video anyways so if nothing else it'd be a good show to yeah you're gonna want a stadium full of enthusiastic people going bat crazy i would insert other words Mm -hmm. there but i know that there's babies who listen to cj's babies listening um (laughs) that um that that is going to be the audience that they're going to want. They're not going to want a whole bunch of middle-aged people with a lot of gray hair with their phones up uh, for those audience shots. They're going to want that audience from South America. They want the millennials that, that hate them. <laughs> <laughs> so make sure you jump, Sienna, when you go, because you might. <laughs> yeah, it, it's always, it'll be interesting to see if I, do you think, do you assume that there will be one? It makes the money, obviously. You would think they would, right? Helps pay yeah, for sure. helps pay for a kimono or two. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll uh, we've sort of looped around this in various ways, but we wanted to have a part two to our Joshua Tree 2017 review, just because so many of the uh, YouTube staff are keen to chat about it, and I'm sure the folks out there are listening are just as excited to keep sort of hearing about it as the tour goes on. And, uh, and so we're, we had part one, we have part two now, we might even have part three or four, who knows? We'll see if, uh, enough people keep wanting to basically forcing me to have more discussions about it in a nice, gentle way. Um, so I guess. Better than talking about passengers, Chris. <laughs> True. Uh Oh, now I'm going to get, we're going to get hate mail from Ian and others. Maybe I guess starting with Aaron, you've seen one, one show so far, the same, same one as I, and, uh, your overall, you sort of alluded to the screen and everything that sort of was there. And I know I was standing a couple of feet away from you as you, uh, you were watching the show and taking it all in. And, uh, what were your thoughts and what was your experience of Joshua? Oh, for me, it was was just incredible. I mean, I've done lots of YouTube you know, it goes back 30 years for me when I was um, 18, 19 at university when I saw the the, uh, the summer shows in 87, maybe in the UK and a bit of Europe. 
and it transported me, literally transported me back to that time. The time when Street started, right through the first three or four songs, I was just absolutely overwhelmed with emotion. It was just incredible. And the screen is just the most amazing thing. Um, we're reading, it was a little bit of contradiction, but it seems to be that it was filmed in 8K, which is um, an, obviously a new higher definition format. If it, even if it wasn't 8K, it was certainly much better than any 4K HD that I've seen. And it was phenomenal. And I have to say, the, the films that uh, Anton Corbin had put together went so well with the songs. I mean, the, it was just perfect. And it was incredible to read since that he only filmed them a few weeks prior um, in, in some cases. But, uh, I mean, I, I thought it was wonderful. And it didn't feel nostalgic which is what I thought it would feel. Um, probably because that uh, quite a few of the songs off the Joshua Tree are played live each tour. And, you know, we normally get three or four, so, you know, get another seven, what's the big deal? Uh, I, mean, I, thought the, I thought the blend at the beginning with, um, you know, introducing the, the, the lead-in from War with Sunday Bloody Sunday and, um, and New Year's Day in particular, I, th I think that works very well. Um, I'm probably not so much a fan of the latter third at the moment. Um, I don't know, I'm perhaps a bit old school about it. I think they may have just focused a bit more on some of the B-sides, but you know, it's a stadium show. It's there for a lot of people who probably haven't even seen U2 ever or seen U2 since the 1980s. So they have to focus on that audience. Yeah, and Sherry, you're you're actually, in this, I was thinking you'd been to more shows, but yeah, you're you're in the same boat as that Aaron and I as well, right? You've seen one show so far. Well, I was physically at one show, but I have listened to all of them. Um, and uh, Chicago too. I was, I was actually able to watch with the uh, help of, um, of uh, Periscope. Um, I, I still stand by, by what I wrote in, in OTR, um, of the day after Vancouver, um, certainly certain things have have um, have tweaked. Um, the band still hasn't settled in on a definitive set list. You know, uh, uh, Miss Sarajevo, or also known as Miss Syria, keeps getting moved around. Um, you know, uh, uh, deciding to do elevation um, after Beautiful Day or elevation after one. Um, there's still a bit of set list movement there. So uh, I think that they're just trying to keep it fresh uh, for themselves in, um, in, in the production on it. I, I, I can definitely sense that the audience is a different vibe than what um, we're used to in, within the arenas. Um, it's, it's, it's a similar vibe to what the U2360 tour was except that a lot more people know the album that they're touring. So, so with this tour, yeah. a lot more people know the Joshua tree than they did no line on the horizon. So it's a little bit more of a vibrant crowd, but it's still very much a greatest hits crowd. So, you know, for the fans who would love to see them pull out a really deep cut, this is not the tour for it. Um, which is why the whole, um, uh, protest over the removal of a sort of homecoming really took shape because it is a, a, 
a more well-known song than some of the others, but it's such a rarity that for the diehard fans, that was the one that felt like they're catering to us. Um, and to have that song removed out of the set list kind of felt like, you know, a stab in the heart almost. <laughs> um, I know that in Vancouver, that was the song uh, um, that I was most looking forward to next to Exit. Um, and just to experience that, that was one of those bucket list songs that had eluded me f- for all the shows that I've seen. So um, I'm happy that it's back in. I hope it stays back in, but not at the, um, not at the uh, uh, um, loss of bad, um, right. <laughs> you know, which is what happened in Chicago too. They gave us a sort of homecoming, but they omitted bad. No, the two of them have to be in the same show. We don't need to start another petition. To <laughs> you need to do Seattle. <laughs> Seattle's set list was perfection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which a lot of, uh, it, it is kind of frustrating, especially if that's, the, again, if that's the one show you get to see and they cut that song or or whatever, and you're kind of like, oh, but I want, really wanted to see that one song. You know you're getting the Joshua Tree set completely, obviously, this or the CD from start to finish, but um, yeah, those little extra stuff is kind of uh, fun. And, and that's, like you said, the greatest hit sort of audience that's there definitely jumps along to Pride and to the well-known hits, Beautiful Day, et cetera, get all the, the whole audience jumping. And so it's hard for, as the band to, you know, even in that moment at the beginning of the set list, like to just throw in a one, one song, one B side, something or whatever, when they're on the sort of tree stage as a little nod to the fans, it feels like how hard would it be? But it is, I don't know, as a, you can sort of sense a bit of like you, when you're losing the audience, even as they go off to buy drinks or they're getting drunker or whatever around you. And then to throw in a, a sort of homecoming after that is kind of like, well, you've kind of lost half the crowd and you might not get them back in a while. So, uh, yeah. And the only two songs in the set list with the exception of the little things, which is completely new, the only two songs that haven't been on any best of compilations or, or the U two eighteen is a sort of homecoming and ultraviolet. So even if you just owned the best of series and Joshua tree, you've got 19 out of the 21 songs. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point too. So, yeah, it, it's uh, it will it'll remains to be seen, I guess, what they do. And we we had a Matt's been doing an interview with Willie Williams, uh, email interview, and so uh, released a, a sort of a teaser of that just before they brought a sort of homecoming back, where Willie had said it, that we will see it again. So hopefully, it wasn't just that one <laughs> that one concert in response to Willie saying, "Hey, some fans are emailing, so you better just play it once." Then. Move on. Well, Chicago's <laughs> known for the mafia, um, right. as is Boston. I'm just saying. <laughs> veiled threats there, Sherry. Very veiled. So, uh, Sienna, you've been uh, from a, a, across the pond, I guess. Are, are you watching Periscopes as, and is paying, paying attention to that kind of stuff or trying to be sort of uh, experience it innocently, innocently yeah, as it were? Because so, London is the first of the Europe dates, I thought I'd wait. Like, obviously, I'm listening to them, but I'm not watching them. Mm. Um, So I thought I'd wait to see it because I'm seeing one of the London shows. I'd wait to see it. And then in Europe, then I can sit up all night. Like, (laughs) then I can do it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I thought I'd wait just a little bit. But like, The Little Things is just my new favorite song. So I've listened to enough. (laughs) So yeah. To be fair, for for us in the UK, the uh, the shows at four o'clock in the morning start. So you know, you, you really have to. Yeah. 
Yeah, I am officially a walking zombie right now. Yeah, it's a it's a little bit much, I guess, to be up in in that uh, that time zone. I know. Um, so the uh, do you have the the common question that people, especially if they're going to GA, and we kind of alluded to this earlier, Aaron, you you mentioned this too, is sort of where to stand. What would you suggest doing if you don't have a ticket already? Where should they get a ticket? GA or in a seat? And um, Sienna, what did you what are you doing for ticketing in, at your shows? We, show? We've got GA. Yeah. So actually, what Cheryl was saying earlier is really interesting because the, when in IE we did like really high seats but we thought we'd go in the crowd this time because I'm going with my family um so yeah first time in GA she's All right. good and Aaron yeah, Sherry yeah, yeah go ahead I've got GA for all of my shows in Europe now. I'm not sure actually what, what I think about sitting. I mean, for the for I and E, I, I did a few shows up in the seats, and I quite enjoyed some of the shows more than I may have done, may have expected to. Hmm, interesting question. I think it depends on where you're sitting. I think if it's a more of a head-on view, then I think I would probably enjoy that more. But of course, that's quite a distance away. So I don't know. I think once you're in the seats, you're a long way away, aren't you? So. Yeah, Sherry's posted some uh, fans shots from like way up top of sh- like Soldier Field or wherever. And it just like, yeah, it's a long way down to <laughs> to the fan. Yeah, and there are definite sight lines where you have obstructed view. If you are at the in the end zone, you have the production tent that could block your entire view of the tree stage. Or if you are at the very end of the row on the sides of the stage, you could have a perpendicular view of the screen and not be able to see a bloody thing mm-hmm. on that screen. Yeah. Um, you could be stuck behind. Yeah. You could be stuck behind one of the production towers that's blocking a view. So we were very, uh, spoiled on innocence and experience where there was just a slight sliver where you couldn't see anything with this tour. There are people who are bummed that they spent a lot of money and they only get half of the screen because of the overhang of the stadium seating that they can't see anything from the midpoint of the screen up or, you you know, as I said, you've got the entire production tent that's blocking it. Um, those those should be the thirty five dollar obstructed view seats. At least you're in there to hear. Um, and in yeah. GA, obviously, you know the taller you are, the more advantage you have. So yeah, grow grow is the bottom line. <laughs> Which it can't be. It, it shouldn't be understated. I guess the idea that if you I, like for me, I, there was times in the in the, the show that I was at where. I was just kind of annoyed with the people around me because the people were kind of moving, not, not the at you two crew that was around me, but the, uh, uh, the other people, you know, kind of moving in and out and bumping past you and holding a beer over your head while they're celebrating. Cause pride is going on. You're like, please don't jump and spill that on me and wreck the whole experience for all of us. Cause I will be punching people, but the, um, so like being in the seats, there is a, if you're not going to be up, you know, catching some of Larry's sweat as some of you are wishing you could, um, then being in a seat actually isn't that bad an idea because you get that spot and it's your your space and you still can have a drunk beside you, I guess, but it may be a and drunk. Some of those seats have you. convenient cup holders. Exactly. So you're not having to hold on to your beer the whole time. Exactly. So I just balanced mine on Aaron's head, but it, it worked out okay. No. <laughs> He's got a really flat top there, so it worked really well. But um, yeah, any other comments, I guess, for anybody or, or Sienna, any questions as far as the show as you you're looking forward to i know it's a little ways away but looking forward to seeing i'm i'm sort of i'm curious about ultraviolet um 
because the my three the 360 version they did from Rose Bowl is like my favorite version ever. So is it going to live up to it? That's what I want to ask. <laughs> I hate to say this, but Bono doesn't doesn't hang by a microphone during the uh, production of it no. this time. Um, <laughs> But if you're if you're into a feminist message, um, yeah, that's the I'm, thing. I love the video the, for it. Yeah, that's the song that that is making me so excited to bring my eight year old daughter to. I I want her to hear the message about how how important women are in society, and I think yeah. that um, despite what Mr. McGee thinks, I think that that's one of the highlights of the show. Okay, just because cool. he's yeah. I, I agree too. I think the the overall emotion, and especially watching a video version of it later, I think on the concert DVD or whatever, will have even more impact. But it, it is the the band themselves are outside of Exit, I guess. Maybe I don't know. If, I think this is a fair statement to say, but outside of Exit, they're not as theatrical themselves in their performance of the songs. They let the screen and the music do the talking more, um, which has its benefits and its drawbacks. Obviously, I I do love the way that the band physically got into playing ultraviolet, like you said, Sienna. And so it isn't quite as there, but uh, yeah, I think the overall message kind of gets, makes up for it a bit. So, uh, but I, I also uh, think that it limits the band's opportunity to, to become injured during the show <laughs> by them limiting the amount of movement that they do because <laughs> they are getting old, you know, Yeah, they kind of move collectively. So if, Edge starts going off the stage as they head up for or Streets Have No Name. They, someone can grab them back and, yeah, they kind of move as a group. Stay, have your buddy. Don't lose each other. <laughs> Everybody's got a study buddy. Yeah, exactly. And we all want to be Larry's buddy. All right. Uh, what we wanted to quick, I'm saying quickly in air quotes here, but also cover is a lot of folks have been getting and got their... Uh, 30th anniversary super deluxe or various deluxe editions box sets and music and uh uh that's that's arrived it was released on itunes etc and uh <laughs> sherry and aaron are holding theirs up sienna you and i are are sitting with nothing i guess right i just have the itunes download so that's i can't really hold up my itunes account <laughs> but uh we'll be the the people who can ask questions i guess about it but also as part of that there's uh we have a special guest who we wanted to bring on and uh Hopefully everything works here. We'll just uh... sort of a, a musical journey, really. It's nice to be in the company of such uh, wonderful at you two people, and <laughs> especially Sienna. Hi. Welcome. Hey. Thank you. Crazy world of you two. We're <laughs> the youngest. I know Aaron says he's the youngest, but he's. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you've got a really thick Canadian accent too, like me. Thick Canadian Geordie accent. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, big wave. Why introduce yourself to the folks who may not be aware of, of who and what you are? <laughs> well, I'm a, like yourselves. I'm a U2 fan since a uh, long time ago, since the War album actually, uh, and uh, help out on U2.com mainly in Zootopia with Michelle and Max, who say hello, by the way, extend their greetings to the U2 crew and and your mods, uh, Kenny and all, who are, who are missed recently at the Alarm Show in Glasgow. We almost had a pint, but we'll catch up <laughs> in Twitter maybe. So, yeah, I help out with things over 
over here. And uh, it's been busy today. I guess everyone's excited about the the new announcement. The rumours have been kind of almost right <laughs> again. <laughs> so uh, Max is particularly excited. Mexico on the bill. And uh, Michelle, uh, she was at Chicago. That was the first one of us three kind of thing to be at the shows at the weekend. And she's kind of loved it, loved it. She's buzzing from it, I guess, eh? Absolutely, yeah. Still still coming down. I heard you talking about that earlier. Coming, so what's, coming down when are you getting to experience the Joshua Tree 30th anniversary tour? Um, Probably not till London. I keep kind of, uh, yeah, London probably. <laughs> Maybe before, we'll see. Fingers crossed. Yeah. But I think uh, Toronto uh, people are going to be there. Uh, I was trying to get to Toronto, but... I wouldn't rule it out. Sometimes stuff happens last minute. I would love to see the band on the North American version because it always kind of changes, doesn't it? Right. I'm not. Mm. I don't have any inside information on this, but I'm assuming they'll tailor it a bit more to the Europe in some ways. However, you can tailor it. We'll see. We'll see. Well, we would love to see you in Cleveland. Cleveland. Yes. That? The I last don't... show. <laughs> Where is Cleveland? Is it near? Is it near? Um... It's south of Toronto. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But not oh, by yeah. much. There's a little cluster of uh, North American things, isn't there? Uh, Toronto kind of cluster to me. I'm on the map, whatever. Yeah. I'd love to be there. I would love to, to meet up with uh, people who I've only met online up to now. It almost happened in Dublin. Didn't it like uh, last time round, but it didn't. But there, uh, any of you guys to uh, Europe? No, I'm not. I don't think Sierra or Sienna is, but uh, Sherry, you're not. As yeah. well, right? You're not heading across the pond this time. No, yeah, no, this is not a tour I can do Europe for. Um, yeah. but yeah, um, I'll just mention too, and Fabiano in the chat room had, had mentioned, maybe you saw this already, but a huge thanks to you, big wave when you helped in Brazil with the Facebook pages that were disabled and things like that. So that's kind of your, your role as a bit of a fan advocate, I guess, as it were in, in sort of helping fans interact with the band in various ways and, and uh, speaking on behalf of perhaps depending which way the argument is going. <laughs> He's our fairy um, godfather. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, there's, I mean, like there's a great team at youtube.com who, who, like uh, you know, you, Sherry, you, we've all met some of them, I guess. Aaron, you know, and the, the U two com team, they like to be known as. So I'd like to, you know, big them up in a big fashion, because you know that doesn't get publicised enough what they do behind the scenes. So it's like it's a bit of an interaction with like fans and and uh, in the U two com team and other things you get involved in, and it mainly to do with fan stuff and uh, yeah. It's it's great to be like part of that kind of uh, process to help people out. You can't always keep everybody happy, you know. Today we've had like people kind of uh, not happy about the pre-sale code arrangement, which is different slightly than last time round. But you know, I think uh, there's a lot of thought goes into how these things are presented, and you're never ever going to please everybody. So, like, what we're able to do, like the mods is like hopefully point people in the right direction and and pick up on what you guys are, you guys do your thing fantastically i'm so jealous at times i have to say 
to because you you write stuff with a kind of a free hand that sometimes we don't have. But that's it's give and take, you know. You know, it's it often we're, we're thinking similar things, and you guys are on the ball usually. Usually, most of us. Yeah. So, Some John, the the biggest question everybody is having has to Go deal on. with the pre-sale codes. If yeah. you've used on, yeah. all four of your tickets on your pre-sale code, um, there is not going to be a new code issued, correct? That's that's correct. This time, now, now I double-checked on this because that was people were asking from the outset, we're going to get new codes. And, like, each tool is different. I mean, like, uh, the... The comment, one comment was on a 360 tour, we've got kind of two codes. But the thing is with the 360 tour, that was over three years, if you remember. And it was kind right. of, uh, it was over two or three subscription periods. So basically what is on the u2.com forward slash help page is, is how it is, basically. Uh, double check. If you've used your four codes this subscription period, even if you take out a new subscription, you won't get any more codes for this. But if you take out a new subscription in your dog's name, well, <laughs> which I'm sure some people are going to do in the name of their goldfish or their grandmother well, who is now deceased for 25 years. Officially, that never comments. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't well, incriminate yourself. Like, don't, uh... like, you know, well, We've all, as we get on in years, like you know, and we all have sons, daughters who want to sign up to u2.com and you know, experience it for the first time. So, you've got to be careful with uh, having too many accounts from the same address. We've had issues in the past, it, it, it can throw up like a you know, a red flag if, if you get 20 subscriptions with the same credit card and house address, then you're going to run into problems. But no, that doesn't happen that often, what we see. So, this, you know, yeah, uh, this is a good opportunity. Well uh, well put, Sherry. If you've got a grandma who has never seen you 2 before and she wants to, here's a great opportunity to see it, to see the band in Colombia. Uh, that's that's one that excites me. I'd love to be able to go to Colombia. I've already made a request. I've heard nothing. <laughs> My, it's not months yet. Yeah. You can find out the night before tickets are waiting for you. You just have to find a way to get there. Well, yeah. If there's a will, there's a way, isn't there? Yeah. Now, Fabiano and Chatham said all Brazilians are in doubt with that because we used to we use ours to buy U.S. and European shows, and now we want to use them for Brazil. So, which is exactly, I mean, that's just the nature of the beast, and that's sort of how it goes, and it it's sucks for the individual but i understand you're trying to prevent scalping you're trying to prevent all that kind of stuff and there's there's usually like little asterisk around there saying Mm -hmm. you know um uh please be aware that additional dates may be announced or whatever um i learned through my 2015 experience not to use all of my tickets on a code because you never know when additional shows are going to get announced um, and, and and with this tour, they're actually offering four tickets to a code. On the last tour, it was only two. So, right. you know, they're doing so as much we, as they can do. I was wondering whether it would have been possible to South shows if they could have looked at the database to see where people lived in which country and give some priority to, say, the Brazilians or the 
Colombians who are in the in the database and offer them the, the opportunity first and then have a pre-sale. It, it, it's a good point. Um, but I, I wasn't privy to the kind of uh, the decision making on the on the pre-sales. Yeah. So, you know, we're kept in the loop as much as possible. But you've got to remember that like uh, we are fans as well. You, you know, you, you you do get trusted with certain informations, but it's a, I appreciate how tricky it can be for those up the chain, up the ladder, at a different level of whatever you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, but that's a that's a good point. And one thing that I'm able to do, and the mods are able to do, is feedback stuff like yeah you know but it has to be a there has to be like a decision made at, at a certain point and what we we'll kind of have to stick with that but i think it's it's a big stadium and like uh although there's only one date there like um in the past i'm not saying this will happen this time but in the past when big stadiums have sold out then you know yeah second show there is a little bit of wiggle room with a couple of those those dates um, in some of the rumored uh, dates that had floated around prior to the original um, announcement. But if it's not on YouTube.com, it's not an official date. It's, it's not real. It's <laughs> not real. And sometimes, it, well, I won't say that. Won't say <laughs> well, yes, yes, I think it's a, it's, we'll keep seeing it and we're... Through experience, it, it's like uh, things go through that many filters. And when it shows up on YouTube.com, you can kind of bank on it as much as you can bank on anything, really. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't hold out for second shows anyway, because, you know, unless it's that might be the only one. Like, you know, like Dublin, we thought we would get a second show. It didn't happen. And it can be logistically beyond our control or anyone's control. From YouTube.com or whatever, but like, uh, ho hopefully, I'd love to see more shows in 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 around the world. Who who wouldn't? You know, we've seen stuff today about Australia, New Zealand rumors. I'm talking about, and we haven't heard anything our end about Australia. But if you look at sometimes, you know, this song, the little things that give you away. That's uh, I love that. Do you like that yeah. song? <laughs> I'm living it right now. Do you, do you like that, Sienna? Do you like that? Oh my God, it's like my, my favourite new song. Yeah, I love it. it. What about where they're doing it in the in the set? What, what do you? That's so different. You don't see that, or is that like a, are, are bands doing that nowadays, or they're putting new stuff at the end of a show? I don't know. Yeah, you I don't see very often. No. Like I was, yeah, I was surprised. I guess everyone was. That it was at the end because you expect them to end with. Well, I I personally expected expected them to end with exit and like have it have Joshua Tree at the end. But I really like the way they've done it. It's like it's quite a sad conclusion to the show. But it's a really nice one. Yeah. Uh, well, in the title itself, it, 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 like it cuts on many levels, and I, I've seen. Like, but I can't remember when. But people talk about like yeah, they give stuff away. The band gives stuff away, like in interviews, like the about where they're going to play. You know, Bono was pretty much told Sill in the in in the Brazilian folk, you know, that the 
South American dates were coming. And that's about as much as it could. So I'd look back at some interviews and see where it's been mentioned. I wouldn't rule anything out. <laughs> which, which is why fans constantly dig deeper into a simple statement to see what all the hidden meanings are. We've well, been programmed well, uh, over decades to do that. <laughs> well, that's that's the thing. You can, often in the lyrics, I find in, in statements, simple statements, you think, oh, well, that's just a simple, simple statement. But then you read it again and you think, oh, actually, it's saying a bit more than it actually does. You know, that's hard to describe. Yeah, Something no. I've learned. Well, well the song very- ends with, with – um, 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 the end is not coming. The end is not coming. The end is here, and it's the end of the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're warning you. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> we're gonna walk off the stage now. So, for folks who aren't watching uh, Big Wave, w- should we read into the fact that there's uh, who can't see the video version uh, that there's a didgeridoo and uh, a bag packed with tags for New Zealand behind you? Is that a clue? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, this here. Can you see what this is here? It's a little blown out. I can't quite see, but... That is the, um, the original Joshua Tree kind of... Uh, okay, yeah. This this actually came from Willie Williams through a friend of his, a mutual friend, actually, who kindly gave it to me as a backdrop to, uh, to do the crystal ballroom with Tim with one day, and I've, I've hung on to it. <laughs> He's not getting it back. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> that was that, that was the I can't remember which date it is, but it's one of the indoor shows, I think, of um the early the early Joshua Tree, the original Joshua Nice. That's very awesome. Yeah, it's a little blown out, but it will uh it we can get the idea anyways. You can see the, the wings of the Joshua tree there for sure. Um Sherry, you wanted to we sort of wanted to touch on the thirtieth anniversary box set. There is some very, I guess, both the good and the bad of of, of that arriving, and, and some like some some of the stuff issues possibly, but also um, just overall impressions of it. So I know Aaron and Sherry, you both had you held up your box respective box sets. Um, what's uh, Aaron? I guess start with you. What's uh, what were your impressions of it arriving, and then sort of the contents, and just as a fan, and as the dollar value, and all that kind of stuff. I just I got the uh, LP and the CD versions, and uh, it's splendid. I mean, it really is very very well made. Um, I was delighted to see mine came absolutely intact, very well packed, very well uh, put together. And um, okay, so there's, there's not so much new content in comparison with um, the 20th anniversary edition, but we've got the live concerts, we've got a few new remixes. Um, I can't say I've listened to everything thus far, um, but uh, what was fantastic about it, more than anything else for me, was the edges. Um, photography book which i just thought was absolutely splendid and um is there anything he cannot do i mean even the even release a new album in time (laughs) (laughs) give up control it's it's amazing uh photographs you know from what was 1980 late 1986 you know and uh I mean, you would never believe if he put his if he hadn't put his name on it, you would have said that Anton had taken the photographs uh, that good. Quite extraordinary. Well, how, how about you, Sherry? What was your, which uh, which version of it did you get? I think that it's um, um, I'm, I've 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 ordered both. 
I got the CD version from Amazon, came, um, came perfectly packaged, nothing damaged. The only thing missing from my box was the digital download code, which um, if you go to youtube.com slash help, uh, you've got contact information there if, if your box set is missing a code. Um, but I found that, um, that, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased with the CD set, but I ordered the vinyl set first without realizing that there was a CD set. Um, so I've got the vinyl arriving from, um, u2.com. It's supposed to arrive tomorrow. Um, I have heard mixed things about the packaging that it's, um, that some of the boxes have been arriving damaged, but Live Nation has very generously offered to exchange them, uh, which is good. Um, in some cases, there are multiple pictures of the same Anton Corbin print instead of getting the full array of all different prints. Um, so quality control issues have been um, uh, shoddy um, in some of the sets with that, as well as the missing downloads. Uh, the main thing is for our friends up in Canada that because it's being delivered via UPS, that um, that fans in Canada are having to pay an exorbitant amount of money uh, uh, for um, customs fees, which um, when when it was ordered through U2.com, it wasn't publicized that it would be delivered via UPS. So uh, Big Wave, I don't know if you've been hearing anything in the forums or from Canadian fans disappointed that they're having to pay a customs fee due to the uh, fact that Live Nation is shipping it out UPS as opposed to uh, either Canadian Postal or the United States Postal Service. Yeah, I saw that from uh, Aaron. Mm-hmm. You two wonder, Aaron. I was I was following his kind of thread. But he, here's the thing with that. I, I would contact the customer services, be nice to them, and see yeah, what yeah. they say. <laughs> But, but, uh, if you've ordered through the youtube.com shop, uh, use the form and whatnot on the, you know, that's, you can find that on your, on youtube.com, the help form. Um, and if you get nowhere, contact us in the forums and we'll try to chase it up. Sometimes, you know, stuff gets lost. But if you've bought, like, other ways, um, I think contacting customer services where you've bought it and just explaining you weren't aware. And I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I'm going to look into that a little bit because it seems a bit high, doesn't it? It seems some of them charges. Yeah. Seem a- and, and the shipping fee is, is, is outrageous because the vinyl box set weighs just under 12 pounds. Yeah. This is not a lightweight item. Yeah. So is that specific to Canada? I think that's uh, that from issue. what I've been seeing. Yeah. Yes, but th- th- but we also had some of our um, fellow fan club colleagues over. I think in Germany um, right. say that when when um, U2.com uh, f- uh, membership gifts arrived, that uh, they had to pay customs tax on on those uh, shipments right. as well, even though they they. Yeah. They don't have a specific dollar value. Somehow a dollar value was assigned to it and they had to pay right. a customs fee on it. Right. Yeah. And Fabiano in the chat room was saying the similar, something similar in Brazil or where the taxation is hundred percent, the value of the box by our customs and also the currency converter plus 
uh, 3.5. So, it, I mean, each country will vary, obviously, how they handle out-of-country deliveries, I guess. And I know if we're can- speaking as the token Canadian on the podcast, the, uh, it just always depends. You never know if you, when ordering from the U.S., for example, for us, if they happen to get delivered via UPS or, or USPS, um, the you sometimes have to pay customs and they sort of ding you there, or sometimes it's you're supposed to do it and you you know yes. forget or whatever. Yes. We'll have a th- something in the UK with the Royal Mail. This is the and the couriers sometimes, but this sounds like it could be a, a courier issue, really that that needs to be made away to to UPS specific. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and one the uh, yeah Fabiano's saying he just a friend of his got delivered and he had to pay seven hundred dollars no three hundred dollars in taxes for the uh, vinyl uh, collector's edition or whatever. So it yeah it. It's a bit like the VAT and customs duty. We would have to pay if yeah. something came from the United States. You know, when you try and buy something from Amazon.com, yeah, it's yeah. a similar thing. You just get absolutely clobbered. You think you're making a save and then it gets stuck with the raw mail or with the, the courier and then you have to pay the... <laughs> that's those, that's those why they send like, uh, from Europe. This, we'll, we'll get them sent out from UK, I think, actually. Um, That's right. I think sets in the UK would have gone to Germany and 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 the rest of Europe, so there wouldn't have been an issue from a from a VAT and a customs duty perspective. But it's like I say, if there's some subscriber gifts get sent over from the United States, and you do have to pay every now and again, it just it's a bit of potluck, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, it just so happens that it's on such an expensive item. Yeah. Uh, yeah absolutely. That does explain. It doesn't excuse it, but this is the thing. Like that, uh, it's good to know about because I've noticed one or two posts. But in this day and age, sometimes people only use Facebook or only use Twitter, so we don't always get to know straight away about like the the trend and kind of yeah issues that are popping up. Yeah, yeah. And what we can do, you know, all we can do is make people aware and, and give some idea of um, how st- the scale of issues, you know. We don't always hear how things work out, but I know for a fact that um, everything gets looked at, everything practically. Yeah. You know? Um, well, and, and on the flip side, I guess on the positive side of, of all of this, the the box set or whichever version of this set you got, you got some music and some remixes and some reissues and all that kind of stuff. So for Sienna and I to be able to communicate and, and join in the conversation, the Sienna, what did you think of the, uh, as the uh, token millennial who wasn't alive when Joshua Tree came out? Um, <laughs> and I wasn't into you too when Joshua Tree came out either. So the... What did you think of the reissue, or did you buy it? I guess first of all, and then what? Uh, what did you think of some of the remixes and stuff? I haven't actually bought it. I saw, I was in town today, and I passed like the CD store, and I saw it in the window, and I got so excited because like they only show like Ed Sheeran and stuff, and I was like, oh my god, it's you too. Anyway, um, I ha- I I do really like One Tree Hill, um, and I'm not so keen on Rental Mining Town. Like it's it's nice, but I just I still prefer the original. But yeah, probably One Tree Hill is my favorite. Nice. Yeah, I was I was a little like the listening through the remixes in particular. So this would be, I guess, disc three if I have it right. If the iTunes version matches, I would assume it does. Um, the I really like the Red Hill Mining Town 
Steve Lillywhite remix of it or whatever you want to call that. But I wasn't, I was particularly, I don't know if disappointed is the right word, but just the Danny Lanois remixes of With or Without You and uh, Running to Stand Still, I felt were like almost took the soul out of, I think I tweeted something about to the effect of they took the soul out of the songs for me. Um, but I love the, both the Blue Sky remix actually by Jack Knifley. I would love to hear him remix the whole album just in whatever, like if they give him carte blanche, say do whatever you want with it and do it a, did a, you know, whatever, a cover version almost of the whole album just to hear what he would, how he would interpret the whole thing from start to finish. But, um, good. The Jack Life Lee version sounded like a blend of Bullet the Blue Sky meets Happiness is a Warm Gun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he has that just repeating little loop thing that at first I was like, oh, that's going to be annoying. And then all of a sudden it's like, it was stuck with me the whole day. I was walking through Costco and sort of had this <laughs> thing <laughs> looping through my brain of that, just that little repeating loop uh, that he was using. America, there. in America. Yeah. <laughs> and the One Tree Hill, uh, the St. Francis Hotel remix actually really was really good too. I like that a lot. Uh, that's my favorite this far. Yeah. yeah, which when you like, given the, the context of that song, you're kind of like, what are you doing with a remix of a song like that? That's about what it is. And you know, all that kind of stuff. It feels a little bit more like sacred ground to tread on, but they handled it really well, I think, and did a good job of it. So was, was there anything on the, uh, um, I guess the one tree Hill reprise is kind of the only, which is a two minute version of one tree Hill that Brian, Eno mixed i guess but other than that everything on disc four all the b-sides and stuff is not there's nothing there that hasn't been released before if i'm not mistaken from what from what i what i can see it's all on the 20th anniversary issue the job the joshua tree itself is just the same remaster as you'd expect it to be to be fair i mean i don't quite sure what could be sonically improved on the remaster 10 years on um and the live cd well yeah that seems to be a fairly good cut of the the Madison Square Gardens concert. I know a couple of the staff on on tours on, on the Apple II site have mentioned there's probably uh, one or two tracks which have been brought from other concerts, and I'm sure that's because they, they, they would have to because, you know, not not every show is is uh, perfectly played. And uh, there might be yeah, some I sonic think issues. It, I think it so was... I think it was Bullet the Blue Sky is from the November 7th Denver show. Um, our That's Cracker Jack awesome. tour staff had had uh, uh, had pointed that out. All right. Well, we've uh, we've gone back into our long form <laughs> podcast. There's recording. so much news today. Chris. I know it's good. I'm not I'm just I'm just saying if Matt McGee listens this long, then this is that's my excuse for for it going long. But so big way. Go ahead. I just make one point about the, you know, People, some people had been saying they didn't get the download code in the box. That's been a mm-hmm. that's quite common. But uh, there's for people who didn't get the download code, if you go to youtube.com forward slash help, there's an email on there and a phone number. I think it was mainly North American people, the North American copies of the that didn't have the download code in. So if you, you email that uh, email fisherscustsvc at umusic.com it's on youtube.com forward slash help you, you'll do you put these links up chris after yeah yeah it'll, it'll be in the our show notes yeah so and so that's the one that we are pointing people to i know sherry you've got another customer services thing that's that you got from uh yeah, it was from, tickets at at push um, push uh, rather it was uh, support at at 
support at pushtickets.com. And, and that was a really quick turnaround time. I, I had my code within 24 hours and it's a, and it's a dot WAV file, not a dot uh, uh, MP3. So it's, it's a higher quality uh-huh. download as well. I think those emails go end up at the same place. Actually, I, I'm I'm pretty sure. But um, so but you've got yours. It seems to work. Uh, mm-hmm. That one that we've been given, I guess we have to point people to that one. So yeah, and there's a toll free number as well one eight hundred two eight eight five nine four two. So and you just have to have a proof of purchase, obviously, of the box that they're not going to just hand you out a code just because you're a YouTuber. <laughs> I tried already. Oh, I'm just kidding. But. Um, the uh yeah thank you very much uh big way for joining us on the podcast this is the first time you've been on the show i think officially so and uh can i just say a few thank yous yeah for sure i've been reminded not that i need reminded but i do need reminded i'm getting older and older as we all are just thanks for what you do at at, you too thanks uh, for having me on it's great to connect up like this um, at times when there's information to hand out. And I know that you guys do a great job, and we try to do the best job we can uh, about pointing people in the right direction. That's the that's the thing. Uh, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. I really enjoy the podcasts and the, the Crystal Ballroom style thing. Connect up again soon, I hope, and I'll speak to you all um, hopefully I'll meet some of you soon at the tour. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be awesome. And, uh, enjoy the South or the, uh, New Zealand, Australia trip. You may be going on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh. We have, we have New Zealand and Australian listeners who always, uh, are, are good sports about being the furthest away on this, these tour announcements and stuff. So hopefully they, they get their, their present before Christmas too. But, uh, thank you very much. Big way for coming on. I, somehow we've lost Sienna along the way here, but, uh, thanks Sienna. If you watch us later for, for coming on and Sherry and I, Aaron. So, uh, where can folks follow you if they need to, uh, disagree or agree or thumbs up or whatever on, on the Twitters or whatever, Aaron, we'll start with you since you're below me here. Yeah, you can contact me on at Ivanobe, I-V-A-N-O-B-E. And uh, Sherry, how about you? And I'm still at at U2Com Sherry. Not not Matt McGee, <laughs> as it says underneath here. <laughs> and uh, Big Wave, do you, do you give out the Twitter handle, your Twitter handle, or do you prefer people not to know you? <laughs> oh, no, I, I think I've, there's a couple. We've got the at U2Com. No, sorry, that's you, Sherry. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, at Matt I already answered too many of your questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I appreciate it. YouTube.com Zoom Mods is our Zoom Mod account. YouTube.com Zoom Mods. Uh, that me, Max, and Michelle uh, kind of help out with. And YouTube Community is the, the one that I help out with, which is more of a vibey thing. But like, uh, generally on that, when the shows are on and, you know, it's like a vibey thing. Now I've got a personal email, which is very politically minded at the minute. Nothing to do with you two. It's at underscore big wave underscore. And I won't tell you who I'm going to vote for in our elections on Thursday, <laughs> but I'll, I'll tell you who I won't be voting for. <laughs> All right. And Sienna, you've joined us uh, just as we're saying our goodbyes. Uh, what's your uh, Twitter handle for folks who are curious if they want to uh, tweet at you? at sienna underscore james with a z instead of an s 
All right, and I'm iChris on the Twitters. You can follow uh, at you too. It's twitter.com slash atu2, facebook.com slash at you two com. And what am I forgetting? I'm doing this from, from memory. I should probably look. Uh, I think that's it for this episode. And you can find previous episodes of the podcast, goodstuff.fm slash atu2. And uh, our thanks to Simon Peta at Simon Peta on the Twitters for the theme song that you heard at the beginning and the end of this episode. And until next time, thanks for listening. Have a good day. Adios.